When I first started facilitating, I would collect props after props after props. I had bags full of them, and I would carry those bags everywhere I went to facilitate loads of activities. But as I've been in this field longer, that bag has reduced, and my overall facilitation skills have improved. So in this episode, I'm going to be chatting with Ryan McCormick. Now, Ryan has created many of the props you may use, including Ubuntu cards and Blocked Perspective. So we're going to be discussing one of the potential pitfalls that you as a facilitator could fall into, and that is an over-reliance in props and tools. Welcome to Vertical Playpen. My name is Phil, and let's get into this episode. facilitation pitfalls when it comes to like people learning the, the the skill and the art of facilitation especially from the perspective of people asking for that what's what's your just general thoughts when i sort of bring this topic up time comes up and the lack of it i think sometimes you know you get that call or the client wants to get to this real depth but doesn't have much time mm-hmm. or we have short programs and so we're looking for these magic answers that will sort of rush the process or get there versus like really having time to do the important thing to get to depth, which is develop the relationships that are necessary and the sense of like, it's okay to have the conversation that you want to get to. People feel comfortable enough to do that. You know, it's sort of like, you can't jump from like, this group is brand new. We're getting to know each other. Now let's get into some depth. I mean, sometimes that happens, but that's one of the big learnings that I've experienced in working with, you know, a class for an entire year. It doesn't start on the first day necessarily. It takes time. And I think overall, for me in the in the work that we're doing, we try to really prioritize conversation and conversation skills to uh, communicate in a way that discusses maybe uh, hard conflicts or addresses uh, hard topics, things like that. It's a skill that's sort of preventative uh, mm-hmm. if we can you know, be more upfront in communicating how we are and how we're showing up. Uh, and th- those are hard. And sometimes like it's... <laughs> I pick fun of this, but it's like I don't bring a debriefing tool to a real conversation a lot of times and just sit down and say like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, if I've been really mad or frustrated with the process, like, okay, I've laid out these cards. Now, you know, choose one that represents this. Like, that's not necessarily something I'm going to bring to a real situation, but it does help, you know, facilitate conversation early on. But what are the skills I guess we're trying to teach? Yeah. And I think like as an, as an organization that have developed products, like, when we look at like Ubuntu deck, I think that one of the things I often talk about is I'm not going to have you just pick a card and say, what does this card mean in the moment? Like there's a lot of activities that go deeper than those things. And it feels a little bit broad. And I think sometimes like people want, if I show an activity, they kind of want, oh, can I just take that? And then that's the facilitate, that's the facilitation tool. That's the activity. And that's the reflection tool. And it just feels like, you're taking the human out and you want these like band-aid almost like problems you know there's the part that's saying like their 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 goals and their aspirations are somewhat unattainable and then and there needs to be like a realization that that's unattainable because there isn't a quick fix but also feeling like you're giving them something that's going to help them in some way like i i understand the draw it's like i go to conferences and people always want like give me the new thing give me the new thing and it's not because the new thing isn't going to help them in some way. I think it's, they get a little bored by some of the stuff. And I think they're bored because they're missing the point. And it, it feels a little more abrupt to say, but I think that they're missing the point of what the activities are for. 
Like the props are supposed to be in addition to. I think the word prop is problematic when you're using the things that we use because a prop means like to carry or like to support you, like a crutch or something. Like you need that to build you up, but really it should just be like a tool in the toolkit that you're just using. And then you're using this thing to help facilitate some deeper stuff, but it doesn't take you out of it. And I think sometimes people want that. What should be the skills that we're trying to really focus on versus some of the, the props that get brought out? And I think that most people listening, if you've had experience, your prop bag gets smaller. There's some intention because your skill set gets bigger, right? So what's your thoughts there? I think remembering what the ultimate goal is, I kind of go back to that. So I think about using objects in, in trying to draw metaphors and look for similes and things in there. To, but like, what's the ultimate goal of doing that? What's the skill we want our participants to walk away with? And, you know, we see it because we do so much of it and give so much practice to students throughout a year and then into sixth grade from fifth and on to seventh, they start to really get attuned to what I want them to be able to do is look at an experience and evaluate what's the learning in that experience. So I think an example, going back to the Ubuntu cards that you had mentioned, we have to kind of teach that skill. Here's a bunch of cards and there are objects that were intentional because you could describe them. So let's take the race car, right? There's a race car in there. And I might ask a student to say, how, like, look at this race car for a moment. Think about what you know about race cars. How would you describe, what would be some words you would use to describe that car? And this could be the butterfly. This could be the straw, like the silly straw. I mean, it could be anything, a calculator, right? There's lots of things that you could create a list of words, right? So they can choose an object and they're just describing that. And then kind of coming back to, or not kind of, you're actually coming back to the next question after they've done that. Are any of those words, words that you might use to describe yourself? Yes, I am fast. I am competitive. I am this, that, and the other thing. And then say, okay, so might it be fair to say I am like a race car. So that helps like lead them in, you know, if I say like, just pick a car that's like you, I mean, you can do that, but then you're actually teaching that, like, how would I, how do I, what's the context I have this object in? And then can I use that to describe me? And then, you know, they get excited, like, Ooh, can I choose an object that I think represents, you know, and then very quickly they've kind of got that style of thinking or that type of thinking. And then, Ooh, can I pick one that describes somebody else in the class? Oh, I, I chose the fish. And because they swim and because they look, and we start there and then it kind of builds to get more and more abstract over time. But that's where we're using it to teach what's sort of the lesson and that's sort of building up. I remember one year with, with fifth grade, we got to the end of the year and we had done so much reflection and evaluation on everything that we've done almost to the, well, what's, you know, we start with like, today we're really going to focus on this. And then we give a sort of direct, like, it's going to be about trust. And more importantly, like, what does it mean to be trustworthy? How do we show others that we are worthy of them trusting us, right? So it's a little bit more like right there, there it is. That's what we're doing. To then like, so we've done these activities today. What do you think are some of the lessons we can find in that when we've taught those skills? And they start to guess. But I remember at the end of the year, we just did a celebration. So we were playing games and there was no sit down. And I remember a kid <laughs> came out with this very stern face and said, so Ryan, what's the point of this? And I said, what? And they said, well, everything you've done has a point. I don't see the point of this game. What's the point? They're almost like demanding, like, what's the lesson? I don't get it. So tell me what it, what it was. You know, and I'd, I'd thrown it back and say, well, what do you think it is? And then, it, you know, eventually I said, honestly, it, this was about having fun. Like it was just a game for game's sake. And we've done that sometimes, but it was almost like it's unacceptable now at this point to not be able to pull out some kind of lesson or to know what that is. Mm -hmm. So for me, again, I go back, that was a long winded answer to, it's like, what am I trying to, what's the skill I want to impart on or introduce and have, have participants, students practice. Mm -hmm. And that's in the end, I want them to be able to 
pull out lessons in their experiences. And the tools are great in the beginning, right, to help, like, draw that connection out. So we're using the Ubuntu cards or questions that are predetermined, things like that. They're great. We use those. It's not putting that down. But then how do we sort of go into the real usable everyday piece, which is just being able to quickly or to evaluate sort of what was the value in this? You know, there's the like, ooh, that's shiny and new. And what's new? We, like we rely on novelty too much, I think, in adventure. It's a component that we have this novel setting, that we're creating this new experience. So we want that with, with all of these activities. And I think it blinds us a little bit to, again, what's the real point of what we're trying to do? What are the skills we want to impart, you know, through our programs? What do we want to teach? What do we want to get? To? Maybe it's not necessarily skills, but it's also just like, what are the topics we want to be able to, to get to in a real authentic kind of honorable way like, it's hard to match sometimes like this shiny little trinket device or the clickers or like whatever is out there with actually trying to get to some seriousness around things it has a, a wordplay associated with it you know but it doesn't sometimes it takes away from getting to like no this is a real topic that i want to talk about so it's hard do i think you can get there yeah nate Folan and i years ago we did a workshop at our symposium uh, and it was titled, you know, if you want them to dock, then give them something to talk about or something around there. It was really straightforward. And, you know, I think it went over well because in the end people were talking. But what it did was kind of take advantage of the emotions, like, like the emotions piece, right? We talk about are there good emotions and bad emotions. It's like, well, no, there isn't. They all serve a purpose, right? So the example is usually like if we don't get angry, then how do we sort of, you know, step up for what's right and take action? Like sometimes that bit of anger or a rage or whatever it is helps us to take action and, and fight for something that we we believe in. And that's what this workshop wasn't necessarily about, but we were doing an activity and it kind of got people riled up and all of a sudden it was like, bam, 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 hands are going up. I disagree. And they were kind of coming at me. They were coming at the idea and other people were supporting it. And it was just this great conversation about uh, really how far do we put people in the sort of discomfort as facilitators. Right. So it became this real rich conversation that a lot of people are engaged with and, and people that weren't previously, as I asked, really safe questions or basic questions. Right. There was now emotion and people were like, this is how I feel strong about this. So and then the best part was in the midst of that, I brought back that reminder of like, hey, time off for a second. Like, who remembers the name of this workshop? You know, everybody. Oh, come on. And it's like, so what are we doing right now? And what level, like how deep are we talking about this? And what are we sharing about ourselves? And like, you know, this came up and that came up. And I think it became a powerful concept. So like you can get there quick, but it's like, are you really getting to to that depth in a way that isn't just sort of like, oh, I've got this fancy device and here's the talking stick or here's the clicker. And like, you know, like sometimes that's hard to get into a playful place around those things when you really want to talk about things and in, in our work we're really looking at like what challenges the community and what skills do we need to get better at that or to meet that challenge or overcome it and do better something that i bring up often in our episodes is the notion that you don't need to know a hundred activities sort of okay you should try to get really good at about 10 or so activities that you could use in different ways with different audiences. And so with that said, I'm going to be talking about the book that I co-authored called Tinker. 
building purposeful experiences from classic adventure activities. Now, Tinker is like no other book of activities that is out there. This one focuses on the variations on these classic activities. So we picked a handful of activities. We went through the variations. We talk about how we frame and reflect on those activities and adapt them to meet the needs of any group that we work with. So in the description of this episode, I'm going to throw the link of where you can purchase the book Tinker. Once again, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so at Vertical Playpen. You can send me a direct message. That's on Instagram. Or you can email me podcast at highfiveadventure.org and I'll answer any questions you may have about this book. I'm very proud of it. So I hope you uh, pick it up and read it and you find value in it as well. Okay, back to the episode. I've talked honestly in the podcast about my mindset around the stories for low elements, as an example. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the nitro, the peanut butter pit stuff, because I think what it does is it takes a thing that could be eliciting like real emotion and then makes it a little bit storybook. And so you take away the real and you replace it with a a thing that's going to entice. That's my personal authentic facilitation is I don't use those stories. I just, it makes my eyes roll and I've seen other people's eyes roll, right? And I think that it feels like the the tools, the props, right? They're a little bit like that in two in our industry where we're reliant. We've almost got like this inside joke or outside joke of this field being like rubber chickens and stuff. I, I get embarrassed by some of that stuff personally, because I'm like, not to say like, I don't think we do take ourselves seriously. I think what we've done is we've tried to bring people into the field and make it like, look how awesome we are by having all the cool shiny stuff like twirlies and fleece balls and all the bright colors and then the, the highs and stuff. And in doing so though, I think what we've somewhat done is we forgot the point of what we were doing it for, like what's the goal and then got too deep into the wow factor. You've seen it cause I bought it. I bought myself a lycra tube. I remember being like, it's a super fun thing. I have not used the Lycra tube one time in an actual program because I wouldn't, I wouldn't find like, like what's the point? <laughs> Where's the transferable like lesson other than it being like, Hey, do you want to just bounce around in this? <laughs> it's like, I might as well pull like a trampoline. I'm, I struggle with some of those. Like what's your thoughts on some of the like air quotes, but goofier props out there? Yeah. I mean, I think they have their place, you know, have I used that much? No. Do I think it's really funny? Yeah. Like you're saying, like we used it, you know, with the kids and like with adults, like outside of a workplace because it was fun. And it was like, whoa, we almost crashed into each other. You know, I, I've used it as, as sort of a play thing. Can you, you know, and I've watched people get in, they make the debriefing hot thing. I don't know what you call it, but, you know, and it is, there is some engagement. Yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, like even, even twirlies, like we love twirlies here, right? Everybody loves them. But it is like an introduction sort of novel thing of like, let's play this. And then there are some things you can try to do. You know, there's some things I, I really enjoy about it. But like when I get down to what are the props we're, you know, we're using, it gets smaller and smaller. Fleece balls and a couple hula hoops, maybe some webbing for, you know, it gets really small because, you know, part of, of the Edge of Leadership program and it's like key concept is to prioritize conversation over activity. So sometimes we bring things out and a conversation starts right off the bat. The things that I'm using, the way that I speak, how I phrase things, like those are the things I'm getting more into being aware of. Asking questions like, who else feels that way? Like it becomes something really simple. 
but then we use it as a tool in so many ways. And that's just words as tools. So to think about like these things that we have that are, are props or tools that are just the way that we phrase things or how we run things, uh, mindsets. And that's why I, I really wish people would engage more in sort of the advanced facilitation, but there's no real way sometimes to like gauge, are we good? It's sort of like a self-assessment all the time. And so we've, we've, you know, so many folks like, oh, I got the facilitation thing down. I don't ever, like, if I ever say that, Phil, I'll be like, no, you don't, you know, because it's like, I'm, we're always learning. And I love that. We're always sharing stuff. Or I tried this or I changed that, or I thought this last week. Now I, I feel this way, but we're always looking at like, how do we reach that deeper, meaningful conversation? And I feel bad. I feel like I'm beating up on the things that are in the bag of tricks because I'm somebody who's created those things and like been excited about it. And still we've got all kinds of stuff happening in the EOL office, things that we use. But it is it's sort of like a stopping point for some folks. It's like, okay, yeah, I've got this. But then people are like, I want more debriefing. But it's like, no, you want more things that sort of self-facilitate in a lot of ways. Like, what's the new thing that's going to catch the attention, right, of that? But like, how do we start to then, in some ways, like wean the groups off of that to really practice good communication skills, reflective skills, decision-making, critical things, like all these things we want to teach without having to have, like pull something out. It's like the moderation rule, like everything in moderation. I think people go to the the pitfall I often see is people go so too far the wrong way when it comes to like, they've just got so much stuff. You know, I I go to, I I visit a lot of summer camps for trainings and and they'll say, hey, Phil, we've got a prop shed and I'll open it up. And like, it feels like a a comedy where I open up and all the stuff falls out on me. And I'm like, there's no way I could use any of this. Well, I could use some of it, but I'm not going to use all of this stuff. Like, it's got so many different tossables, like throwing items, you know. I think they're too reliant on, like, that, that stuff. The more experience you sort of bag gets less, your prop bag. And there is a reality. Like, I've, I said, I bought a Lycra tube. I bought so much stuff when I was starting out, like, all of these different props and all of these different debriefing tools, because I used to struggle with that too. I can honestly say I don't use any... I'll use a dog clicker. I'll own that because I just think it's funny to do the slideshow. But because uh, there's one, jo- it's one. There's one joke and it gives me one laugh. That's and I've I've been honest about like there are certain points of my own comfort. Like I like to make people laugh. Beyond that, I tend to just ask questions or sometimes don't and like they just talk, and it's like I'm golden. I don't or just like tell me more about that. Like just ask a a probing question. You just they're just telling you stuff and you're like what? Where? How did we get here? Like in the beginning of being somebody that's like creating these tools and like loving it, like I'd go to conferences and I'd see stuff and to be inspired and I'd be like, oh, I'm creative. I can think of these things. And I went to this like kind of cheesy place that now I'm like, oh God, you know, like I remember one time we had these little tiny eggs, you know, like little Easter egg things there that opened up and all that. And I was using that as a prop and it was just like passing it around and it just make it's cringeworthy now. Just be like, what ideas have you hatched lately? And like everybody sharing as they pass that around. So I was always attaching it to like these really obvious Oh, cliches and like just I don't know the word I'm looking for but just was like oh what ideas are you hatching just like almost dad jokes like just bad stuff you know and I think about this there's some of those so it was always like what's the line between like a good prop and a good metaphor or similar or whatever and a good framing to an activity that allowed you later to say like how did I frame the activity and how did that help support a reflection of it rather than sometimes like poisonous peanut butter pit and I agree I'm more like you where I've avoided that because it's harder for me to get to a debrief that it gets to depth because I've created this fantasy story, which is fun and engaged to people, especially the right group. But then coming back to asking questions, it's like, well, how did that go? What came up? It just gets really basic. 
you know, versus going to the whale watch and not getting into like, we're out in the ocean and here's the whales and whatever you might <laughs> do with that. But re really kind of saying like, today we're going to explore like, quite literally, what is it like to create balance and use that like, this is about finding balance and then go back and say like, where else might we struggle as a class to find balance? Transitions from recess back to the classroom, right? Real things come up. And it's just an easier jump for folks. And it still allows some freedom to say, this is what I learned from that. Not like, today you're going to learn that it's hard to transition, you know, like it's not that directive, but it's a little bit more directive so that we're not limiting it to the complete. Because early on, eventually, I thought it was just like, you have to like leave it open to whatever might happen. And I'm sure there's people who still, like that's their, you know, philosophical approach to experiential ed. For me, it became more specific, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about the social and emotional skills needed as a, to that foundation for leadership, critical thinking, all these things that we need in place to be a productive, effective leader. Yeah, framing was important in setting people up to, to process. Just again, I was just trying to avoid the like, the direct thing, like, here's the stoplight, what do we need to stop doing? Like, we've done that with like, stop, start, continue, and then we actually like pass around this object, and it's like such a direct like, I don't know. For me, it was like, nah, this isn't me. How do I go deeper with that and be less obvious? So like block perspective is a good example where the activity led to a discussion without having to have a separate sort of debriefing tool. You know, Originally, that was serendipitous because I lost the matching block set. So I couldn't run the activity in the way that I had originally learned it, which ended up working out really well because, oh, I'll just take photographs and that will save time. And I was thinking like all logistical facilitative pieces that that would improve on and then it became like as i thought about it more for that activity which i think was originally around bullying that was sort of a, a rising important topic in schools to how do we address this what's going on and what i found in the conversations was nobody knew whose responsibility within the education system that was so we had administrators you know superintendents principals program directors or department heads, PE teachers, because like, oh, experiential, go and get these activities, uh, classroom teachers, after school. Like nobody knew who was supposed to go out, get the training, come back, pick the program, whatever it might be. So there were some bigger things at play. So we use block perspective as, you know, everybody has got a picture of this built structure. And then there's a pile of blocks and the, the builders had to gather information from the people holding these cards. And you could only see your own card, right? So everybody has this vision in their head of what it is that they're building from a certain angle. And we were able to say, like, as a superintendent, this is the perspective you have on this issue. As a principal, as a teacher, as a student, whoever it might be, we all sort of have. But yet we're trying to build, you know, a safe program that helps educate and sort of prevent bullying or violence in schools. So it created more of a conversation of how do we come together, you know, as we drew out that metaphor, they just started to pick up on it. Like, yeah, whose responsibility? How does this help from an administrative? Like, what are the administrative needs around addressing this issue? What are the student needs, the teacher's needs? So again, it wasn't, here's an activity that's loosely connected. It was right there in the whole thing to create this conversation. And that was better than like, what ideas do you have? Here's an egg, right? And like, that's how it felt sometimes of like, okay. And again, not to beat up on eggs, but like, I drew a whole logo for it, like the incredible, like creative. I don't know what it was, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, can you imagine that? <laughs> the high five egg. Yeah, <laughs> here's an egg. No, no, put that away. Yeah. So, you know, and there's lots of things like that where I got really hokey with, with wordplay. And then some people love it. Great. But like for me, I wanted to go deeper and not have people cringe. You know, there are some that like it and there's some that don't. But I think when I was really honest about stuff, like 
what is your perspective and how is that different? And what is blocking me from really understanding or seeing where you stand and your your view on this this problem that we're all trying to face? Like that was just really strong. And then it became a prop that other people could attach to other things and were excited. So we ended up putting it into production. Ubuntu was like that, you know, it was like, yeah, there was play and there was conversation and it was like, it was reaching its goal to develop deeper connections and, and create conversation in a way that was fun and playful, but not too, I don't know where that line is sometimes. Oh, no. So I was like, the egg for me, I keep going, that was like when I was like, oh my gosh, I am really uncomfortable with like, let's just put that in the archives. Yeah. If you had the capacity or would be able to change like the industry in a big way towards shift it in some way, where do you think the focus needs to be for our field moving forward that might be hard to achieve, but where would your ultimate goal when you think of like training educators? Because I know that you experience this with the teachers you're with, that it's just this stuff isn't taught. So like, what's your like ultimate dream when it comes to teaching facilitation? I wish the the way in which we're... we're embedding some of this this into the schools that we're working with. Like, I would love that to become more sort of mainstream and the teachers have those skills. I think the uphill battle is that (laughs) a lot of the things that we're, there's the complete opposite for what the current culture of school is and the structure of school. You know, to introduce the idea of, you know, adventure in terms of adventure being about, you know, developing skills because the exact answer and way to go about something isn't actually known. So we need the skills to be adaptable and flexible and to figure things out and to think creatively to be successful, right? That's like, I always use that with, if you're going into the mountains, right? I can't give you the step-by-step for each step of the way. The weather affects the stability of the slope. And uh, there's so much there that we have to bring in like our navigation skills, our avalanche skills, our first aid skills, our basic survival skills, our climbing skills, our knots, right? The list goes on. We have skills that then we can use to apply to a different mountain or a different setting or a changing dynamic setting. And that's life in general, whether we've been on the mountain or not, right? Things change. And I think the last couple of years with the pandemic has been so much. And that's where we started to see there is a real gap in the skills to adapt in those ways. Like it was a much harder transition to every day we know at 9.30, this happens and 10 o'clock, like everything is so scheduled down to like 42 minute blocks and it's predictable, it's comfortable and things got changed. We had to be creative. We had to do a lot of this on the fly. But that was a moment where like having those kinds of skills was helpful. That's why I think it's an uphill sort of struggle to start to do this. We have, you know, teachers who are always saying like, oh, I just have to sit on my hands and bite my tongue when when you're all here. They love it and they see the value, but they would really struggle to allow students to struggle like that. It sometimes becomes a reflection on them. Another teacher walks by and looks in and sees some conflict and sees some noise and some learning that's messy. It's it's a, a fear of being judged in some ways. It's a worry about all the other things they have to get to. But we know that teachers that have invested in that and taken a little bit of a risk know that there's some payoff later on that you save on the sort of back end of the year. And you can get to all the things you need to do. And it does help improve that classroom culture. So I think just taking a little bit of that and making little changes, I would love to see it more. And it was just having this conversation this morning to, I would love our industry to grow up a little bit and mature. And you, you were hinting about it. I was with the egg. I think there's like this playful circusy kind of feel to it that it's hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of like, it's the summer camp thing. You know, I, I look at like a lot of the places you could bring your kids are, you know, are younger, 
less experienced. You know, I went to Hulbert right out of school and it was amazing, right? But my facilitation was not great then. It was really young and everybody else was too, right? But you're working for room and board, <laughs> you, you did the same, right? So like, uh, it's hard to get the high caliber. And like now after having done this for years, feeling like I'm so much more practiced, but it's hard to kind of get out there and do that work and find those outlets to get to that depth. It's like, I'm always working with beginners. The almost goofiness sometimes of the field does detract from the seriousness of the field where intention like 20, 30 years ago may have been that we need the goofy to bring people in and we should be more playful and play is important and all those kind of things. But, and, and those things are all true, but like we've now got to a point where we've become a little bit of a stereotype, you know, Team development and team building work gets made fun of in mainstream. We have to work really hard to create buy-in and it's not helped by some of the goofier stuff that just exists out there. It's almost like a inception kind of thing, but adventure ed is adventurous for educators, right? Because like in order for them to do adventure ed, they need to take a risk, which is adventurous. How do we even get them to be adventurous to try adventure ed? And it's hard to go past like really, really comfortable. And their perception, which you probably interact with more so than I do when you're going into the schools, is is the eye rolls at some of the people who would see you bringing in a bag and think and assuming that there's rubber chickens and stuff in there. Or even if there are, that because there are, then this is just clowning. Like you're just an entertainer right. to entertain our kids for a couple of hours. And it's like, no, that, that's not what we're doing. I, I think some of the most powerful things are, are for us, especially the middle school, is the conversations that we have. I mean, we have students seventh grade. I love when, you, when you're all here. We just never get this opportunity. And they're like, opportunity to what? And they're like, I don't know, just talk. Just sit around. And we're talking about everything from what are you going to, you know, what's your favorite pastime and why do you like skiing or whatever it might be to like, what do you do when you're scared? Like how many people still go back to something from their early childhood, like a stuffed animal? Like what's your thoughts on crime? And these kids are like sharing this stuff and sharing like pretty vulnerable opinions. And we do again a lot of that, like who else relates to that? Like look around the room. That's not just one or two people. That's a lot, right? We have these things in common. And then kids are like, I just, I just love when we get to sit around and talk about stuff. Just stuff, like you know, those are the the words they use, like things and stuff, like. But it is true. Like I, my perspective is blocked because I think school is is what we do every day, <laughs> and it isn't right. You know, we go and we we spend time there when it's when we're not in the building, and it is you know every forty two minutes they're going to a different subject, and there's a lot to do and a little time to do it. So it is very different. So for them, and even teachers, the amount of times like I never knew that about them. You know, that's what they'll say about students. And, and on the outside, it can look like we're just sitting in a circle, like wasting time. And so how do you find administrators and teachers and uh, parents and all these folks who can see the value in having stronger relationships through just connecting and relating to each other about real things, not just like who has a Nintendo Switch, you know, like who's in the Dungeons and Dragons? Like those are important, but what's more important is sort of like... Anybody else sort of struggle to manage their behavior when they're really frustrated? And then, like, people just share so much stuff. What do you do? Have you ever done anything with that that you've kind of been embarrassed or regretted? Yeah, look, that's all of us. We're all going to make mistakes. So how do we make those mistakes right? It, it just leads to all these other things. And, again, it always comes back to, you know, kids are like, yeah, push catch was fun. But, like, I really liked when we just had conversation. And it's like, yes. Okay, we're getting there. So how do we, like, your question, I don't know. Like, how in... As facilitators, do we get people 
to start to value more simple things. It isn't glittery. It's not, I'm not entertaining. Because I mean, you and I both, we love to entertain our groups. Like we're funny people. I think it's important. Humor is important. But like, how do you bring it back to those conversations? And I think that's the real sort of skill, art, science, all those things mixed together. Yeah, the thing I would say to like to people listening is what I think we would need if you feel the same way as you're hearing this and it's resonating is to feel like you can advocate for that kind of programming when your clients, anyone you're working with is asking for the opposite of that. That's the thing that I think people find hard is that, but that's not what people are wanting when they're calling up. They want the like, you know, I was at a training and it was very striking. I was, I arrived at the school to teach some teachers and I'm just chatting with people. Like I'm trying to connect and learn about them. And the director who, the person who was a contact came in and said to me, am I just paying you to hand around and chat? And then I looked at her and I was like, well, actually, this is really helpful right now. Like, this is helpful. But like, that's not the perception when people look at a, a group and see that people standing around. They think it's time wasting. And it's like, but we need to be able to advocate as a facilitator that those moments, and it is hard because there was a, a workshop that you, we used to run based on our book, Tinker. And half of the workshop was, people sitting, journaling, taking notes and having conversation. And I always felt bad in a 90-minute workshop that I've spent 30 minutes of that time not doing anything and not speaking. Like there's that mindset of like you have to be presenting value and you have to be entertaining for you to feel it valuable. But that has actually, that half an hour is probably more valuable than the previous 60 that I'd spent time doing with them. And I think about that with some of the programs. So for the facilitators out there, I think if we need, if we want to move that, needle over and we want it to get to the point where we value those moments it needs to be a a big wave of an almost like a movement of not relying heavy on the props and relying more on the on the goals and the conversation and the skill acquisition because then people won't ask for that they'll like say hey ryan can we get like you to come in and just facilitate a dialogue session you know like that would be that's a that's a different idea than hey phil can you come in and teach us 10 games like, what's the value? Where's the proposition there? And it's probably leaning more towards like the you thing than me thing. No, I, I can't agree more. I, I think we have to place more value on that. We have to see us as an actual profession. So, like, we, I, I go back and forth around, like, as we look at, like, developing teacher training to, to be able to, like, really help educators infuse more of what we're doing in our leadership program in our lab, school, and team. As we look to really start to develop that piece, it's hard to, like, are people going to, like, see the value in that and really want to spend the time needed to develop those skills and i mean they're like and it's almost hard to identify skills like sometimes like teachers like well what do i do with this type of kid and i you know it's like well let's go back what type of person are you does that person see you as a trusting adult that they value your input and feel safe around you know it's just like there's a relationship piece like i want to do a whole workshop on like how do you get invited into the world of a child or a student like that Right, like waiting for the invite because like people try to just knock down the door and be like, I'm here, you know, and they're like, you weren't invited, you know, and then it's like, there's no relationship. There's no trust. There's like, I am here, whether it's like a more authoritative, authoritarian approach to like do this because I said kind of relationship or I, I don't know, you're just, there's something that's really blocking that. But like, how do you really do the work to meet the needs of students to really get invited in into their world, like really into it? I think I know a lot of folks who have just done that naturally 
and they don't know how to articulate that. Like, how do you train that? But there are skills there. There are things that we're doing. There's thinking that our brain is doing and processing in order to make those and we can get much better at it in forming that relationship. But I think until we can start to think about it in that level and not just be like, here's Push Catch. It's a great game. It's really fun. Yeah, is it? It's it's super awesome. Love it. But what is that really teaching, right? It's giving you a little bit of a window. So how do you use that opportunity to deepen a relationship or, you know, like, all right, so I've I've built some like good momentum and energy. Now it's my next step as a facilitator. Sometimes it's like, uh, oh, I have, uh, I have twirlies. You know, or here's a potato. Let's go around the room. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let's come back to this potato. I think you've just come up with the next yeah. prop. This is the next marketable prop, the potato. <laughs> Let's talk about peelings, Phil. <laughs> I have very uh, positive peelings. Yeah. I have good feelings about this conversation. So yeah, okay, let's uh, let's wrap the conversation there. I think that uh, this was very very good in in terms of like talking about some of the pitfalls. And once again, the last advocation to the you listening is if you agree with some of the stuff, awesome. If you disagree, that's awesome too. Like that's a, that's the world we're in, and we're open to it. But if you agree, continue to advocate for some of the stuff in the work that you do, and push back a little bit against some of the people who are asking you to do more stuff that you think isn't meaningful to the program. Like let's get deeper. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try. Thanks for giving. I think I'll pass the guy. <laughs>